0: I V M So Vedanta London versus the Dongria Cones Orissa a billion dollar mining corporation versus 8000 people who grow fruits and bathe in rivers that's the Niyamgiri conflict the Dongria Cones are a protected group of people on account of their vulnerability and the fact that they have lived in the Niyamgiri Hills for at least 200 years, if not more. But the law is meant to protect them and their exquisite natural habitat, that is, the Forest Act, 1980, the Panchayat Extension of the Scheduled Areas Act, 1996, that's Pesa, the Forest Dwellers Act, 2006, poof, suddenly amounted to nothing. Because Pesa cannot stand in the way of Pesa or can it. Hello, my name is Priya Mirza and you are with me on The Longest Constitution, a podcast on the constitution of India and constitutional politics. We are looking at historical and ongoing struggles, a few visible and a few invisible, over citizens' right to free speech, but also the state's dubious role in collaborating and aiding private exploitative forces. And these are parallel and simultaneous journeys. And our first story today is about the man after whom the college where I teach is named Zakir Hussain. So just as an aside, the college was originally named Delhi College in 1824 and was renamed Zakir Hussain much later in 1975. But we aren't concerned with that. We are concerned with the 1967 presidential elections in which Zakir Sen won the indirectly contested elections to the post of the president of this country and was declared to be the president of India. But Baburao Patel isse na khush the. An ordinary citizen Patel filed a challenge to these presidential elections. But what is the President of India? So Article 52 of the Constitution states flatly, there shall be a President of India. And there are other rules about the President's eligibility. One of them being that candidates for elections to both Houses of Parliament must take an oath that they uphold the sovereignty and integrity of India. And presidential candidates are bound by the same rules of eligibility. Therefore, Zakir Hussain too should have taken this oath, so argued Patel. But Hussain had not. So Patel's point was that Zakir Hussain had not in fact taken this specific oath prior to the elections. And on that slender ground, sought to have his election invalidated. Hmm. So we'll come back to this a little later. Our second story today is about the freedom of expression and the right of the press, and is set in 1950. In the last episode, we looked at a left-leaning ideologue, Ramesh Thapar's magazine Crossroads being banned, and this time it's the turn of the right-wingers. Sabki baari aati hai desh Uska anjam to hum dekhi rahe hain we are a democratic nation, clearly though with many undemocratic ideas floating around. But never mind. So the right-wingers, specifically the RSS, the organization which was banned for being associated with Gandhi's assassination. Now, they had a print magazine called The Organizer, which was unsurprisingly critical of the government and specifically Nehru and his policies about Muslim evacuee property, about the refugees streaming in across the border, about the volatile situation in East Pakistan. And some of these included cartoons of Nehru and Liaquat Ali Khan, the Pakistani Prime Minister. And there was a piece titled Villains Versus Fools, which argued that the villainy of Pakistan is matched only by our own idiocy. Oof! And if this was not enough, there were articles about demanding the undoing of partition and that India and Pakistan should be reunited. All for khand Bharat. So nobody likes criticism and the government was facing plenty of flack anyway, compounded with an influx of refugees and general chaos. But there was Article 19 of our constitution which allowed precisely this. So on account of the inflammatory and war propagandist arguments made in the organiser, the Chief Commissioner of Delhi issued a pre-censorship order under the East Punjab Public Safety Act, which meant that the magazine had to wait for government approval to publish. And like Ramesh Thapar, the petitioners in the organiser case, Bridge Bhushan promptly filed a petition challenging the grounds on which these rules were imposed. And with that, we get back to Vedanta in Niyamgiri and the Dongria Khons, on behalf of whom PILs were filed in both the Katak High Court and the Supreme Court, challenging the mining operations for violations of Schedule 5 of the Constitution, which proscribes the alienation of tribal land to non-tribal hands. And one of these petitions was by Prashant Bhushan. But who cares when the government has signed an agreement with Sterlite Industries an Indian subsidiary of Vedanta. The Ministry of Environment and Forest approved the construction of the refinery, which was completed in 2006. And a year later, the company asked for a six-fold expansion. And even while the request was pending, Vedanta went ahead with a ten-fold expansion. Meanwhile, the green pristine forests and lands began to collect a fine layer of red dust so, red mud powder is a highly alkaline byproduct of the process of extraction of aluminium oxide from bauxite. And as the Lanjiga refinery began to spew out toxins, including sulfur dioxide, nitrogen oxides, PM10 and PM2.5, along with carbon dioxide into the air. Oh, I live in Delhi and that sounds very familiar. And complaints of skin problems and difficulties in breathing began to pour in. Amnesty International was the first to document the health risks which began with the air, water and soil pollution caused by the refinery. But what does one do when one of the judges of the Supreme Court who allowed the mining company to go ahead, Justice Kabaria allegedly owned shares of the same company. Meanwhile, in Baburao Patel versus Zakir Hussain 1967, the Supreme Court rejected Patel's argument. The court concluded that presidential aspirants were not obliged to take the same oath as members of parliament. And as a result, the presidential oath remains unique. So, hear this out while parliamentarians, legislators, ministers, judges, and other constitutional office bearers swear to uphold the sovereignty and integrity of India, Presidents pledge to preserve and protect and defend the constitution to the best of their abilities. And we'll see that the drafters of our constitution actually expected the president to play a pivotal role in legislation. And what happened to Bridge Bhushan versus State of Delhi in 1950? So interestingly, in the months of April and May 1950, the Supreme Court currently heard both cases, Bridge Bhushan and Ramesh Thapar. And the court upheld Bridge Bhushan's petition and his constitutional right to freedom of expression, no matter how unpalatable the government found it. It also went one step ahead and said that the restriction under the East Punjab Public Safety Act was repugnant to the constitution. So today's takeaway is that the first, far from being purely ceremonial, Our president is meant to play an important role in parliament and upholding the constitution is his or her responsibility. Something we will see has been abdicated over the years. Very sad. The second, that the first year of independent India, the Nehruvian government was really struggling to cope with the rights granted by the constitution. And in this fluid and fragile period of India's infancy, the judiciary bravely, Put citizens' right to freedom of expression before the state. Yeah. So that heavenly period, by the way, didn't last very long. And finally, laws are meaningless in the absence of the institutional determination to uphold them. The Neyamgiri saga will be wrapped up in the next episode, so stick around. I hope you like the show. If you have questions or comments, please send them in. On Twitter, where I tweet at Fundamentally P or on Instagram on the longest constitution. Until next time, this is me, Priya Mirza, signing out.